You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the uh, schedule got a little bit wonky with Christmas and whatnot. Um, We did talk a little bit about the Titans yesterday, but I kind of want to do what it is that I like to do for these game-to-game breakdowns and really just kind of dive into who the Titans are. Uh, Again, we've done that a little bit so far, but, I mean, right down to the, not just the team level, but the person-to-person matchups, all that kind of good stuff. Because it's it's, uh, nice to know what we're looking at. Little update on uh, YouTube for those of you that uh, follow me on there that may be on pause for a while. I have tried to render my um, mock draft 11 about four times now, and every time the computer crashes. So I cannot use my Adobe stuff right now until I get that all figured out. So that sucks uh, right around when the draft is, you know, I've been saying after Christmas, it's really going to kick off. This is the first mock draft I did after Christmas, and I can't render the frickin' video. <sighs> Life. Anyways, I don't, I don't, I, I got nothing else. Let's get started. So we kind of already looked at uh, the team being the number one overall offense right now in terms of points scored. They're number two in terms of yards. Very, very dominant team. We talked about how uh, they went from scoring, what, 30 points to 40 points per game. And that really isn't a fluke. I mean, they, they've scored 40 points one, two, three, four times this season. One of the interesting things I found about it when we look at, for example, correlations and whatnot, the interesting thing here is the onus really seems to be on the defense. As much as this feels like this is going to be offense versus offense and Aaron Rodgers is going to need to really, really kick it into gear to win, I just, I'll be honest, I don't want to play that game. This is a great opportunity for our defense to win the game, and it's not going to be that big of a task, and let me explain to you why. Now, keep in mind, this is assuming the offense doesn't play like complete garbage, but the interesting thing about this, the offense is really good, but their defense is borderline putrid. When the the um, when the Titans have scored 30 points or more, they're 8-1. and one. When they don't reach 30 points, they're 2-3. and three. So basically, their defense has set a line saying, hey, man, we need you to get 30. And if you don't get to 30, we might be in a lot of trouble. That's not a very hard bar for our defense. Now, apparently it is because there's only been, what, five games in which they haven't reached 30 points, which is out of this world, out of control. That is ridiculous. 30 points almost every week with the exception of five. That's wild and crazy stuff. So again, this is on the defense. This is on the defense that has really kept most teams below that. They've done a very good job of keeping teams below that. Now again, they did win two games, but the other team that lost when the Titans scored under 30 points were the Bears who scored 17 and the Broncos who scored 14. So again, the caveat here is the offense is not allowed to just completely give up. And against this defense, which is not great, I think that's very doable, right? Get, get in the 20s or 30s, which is completely doable against this defense. But our defense needs to keep doing what they're doing. R- remember, the, the, the difference between these two teams, really, 
I mean, just from a points standpoint, this this very broad, zoomed out macro look is two red hot offenses up against one defense that's not good and another defense that is ascending, that is doing better and better. So really the question comes down to, is this defense for real? Can they keep doing what they've been doing? If they can, the Packers should win. Keep the Titans to 24 points. We're good to go. Allow them 30 or more points. We might be in trouble. Now, there is one example, for example, when they scored 30 or more points and lost. That was against the Cleveland Browns, 35-41. So we can possibly play that way. But again, I, I don't really want to. This is an area where I think the offense and defense both need to step up and show that they are a playoff team, which is to say the offense cannot play like garbage, and the defense should not allow the Titans to score 30 points. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's time to show everybody that this is a playoff team, that we do deserve the number one seed, because there's a lot of doubters, and it's not all completely unfair. A lot of teams, as I've said, have not faced very good competition. So a lot of teams need to go out and prove themselves, and they will in the playoffs, but if you'd like to do that now, that would be great. Prove it to yourselves, prove it to us, prove it to the media, prove it to everybody. This is a playoff team. And I think especially the defense, I don't think anybody really doubts the offense all that much, but a lot of people doubt the defense, which is trending in the right direction, but people shrug. They say, yeah, but you're playing garbage, yeah, but da-da-da-da-da, you keep letting teams back in games at the end, da-da-da-da-da, and uh, you're not going to do very well. This is the number one offense in football. You keep them under 30 points, guess what, you're a playoff defense. I don't care if the media picks up on it, I don't care if anybody else doesn't want to give you credit for it, you keep them at 28 points, I'm calling you a playoff defense. It's that simple. This team almost never doesn't score 30 points. The last time they didn't was uh, November 12th on a Thursday, which those games basically should be thrown out, in which they scored 17 points. And in fact, they were there was kind of a rough stretch there. Maybe there's a reason for it. They actually lost 3 of 4 and scored 24, 20, 24, and 17. Outside of that, the only time they didn't score was in week 1, which you could somewhat forgive. So... <laughs> Aside from that little rough pat, and week one, it's 33, 31, 42, 42, 30, 45, 35, 30, 46 against the Lions. Obviously, their most dominant performance came last week, although we saw what the Lions, what just happened to the Lions um, this past week. Lions have just completely cashed it in, I guess. Now, on the flip side, and again, this is where it really just comes down to don't play like garbage and we should be fine. The, um, the Titans are undefeated when a team scores 26 points or less, which makes sense when the offense generally scores about 30. The Packers should have zero issue getting to 27 points against the 21st-ranked defense in the NFL. There is no pass rush whatsoever. Maybe a little bit on the interior, but the edge rushers are maybe the worst in football. They are 3-3 three and three when a team scores 27 points or more. So that's that's really the baseline. Now, granted, if... It's possible that they do both of these things and we still lose if it's 28-27 Titans. But generally speaking, that takes them out of their element. The odds are not in their favor. If the defense does their job, keeps them under 30, if our offense does their job and gets over 27, generally speaking, they lost on both fronts and they're probably going to lose the game. That's what we're shooting for. You could say over 30 and they're 1-3 uh, and three if you wanted to just take it there. We could just call it 30 even. Defense under 30, offense over 30, you know. But really, I think that's it. The offense needs to just keep doing what they're doing. The defense needs to just show this isn't a fluke, and we got to win. In terms of breaking things down beyond that, um, there's not as much of a correlation as you would expect between offensive production. Um, In terms of passing yards, for example, the 
most yards that they've thrown for all season is 369 yards. They lost that game to the Cleveland Browns. Generally speaking, over 230 yards is optimal. They're 6-1 and one when they've done that, 4-3 and three when they haven't. Same thing kind of with rushing yards. Obviously, more is better. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's not as strong of a correlation as you would expect. So, for example, over 200 yards, they're 3-1, uh, and one, which is great, but that's kind of average for, for considering their record. Obviously, if you keep him to almost no carry, for example, the two lowest, 82 yards and 62 yards, they lost both of those games, go figure. But I don't really have that expectation. Hey, if we keep him under 90 yards, we got a good shot. Nah, that's not going to work. So it's, you know, you don't want to get run all over, that's for sure. 263 yards, 249 yards, 229 yards, they won all those games. So there's clearly a line at which, okay, we're just getting steamrolled and we don't have a chance, but, you know, I don't don't know. It's not as one-to-one as you would expect, and it usually never is. Points and turnovers are usually the biggest correlation. In this case, however, turnovers, not that big of a uh, correlation. They did have one game with three turnovers and lost. That was the Cleveland Browns game. Otherwise, not a lot. The, the next most they had was two. They won that against Houston. Three and one when they have one turnover, and then all their other games are no turnover. They don't turn the ball over very much. Actually, number one. Jeez. Number one in turnovers? That's crazy. This is a tough team, man. Same thing with defense. Not a huge correlation between passing and running. Um, they are undefeated at 92 yards or less, but again, it's, it's not that, you know, 94 yards. The Steelers ran four and one. There's not a whole lot there. And um, kind of same for turnover. There are um, three and one when the defense gets three turnovers, which again is is a winning record. But considering their record, it's about on par for any four game sample that you would grab. They got the ball three times, turned it over zero, zero times, so they had a three turnover advantage over the Pittsburgh Steelers and lost. That's baffling to me. The only other thing that you'd want to look at is, you know, do they really struggle on the road? Unfortunately, they seem to be better on the road. They're 5-3 and three at home. They're 5-1 and one on the road. Their only road loss was to the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just a tough team. But again, it's, when you put it in the context of what needs to happen, it's doable. And the biggest thing is the defense needs to find a way to slow them. I know Derrick Henry's going to run for a lot of yards. I, I'm not interested in yards. You don't get points for yards. You get points for points. And so the, the, the biggest concern with Derrick Henry is his ability to wear out our defense so that at the end of the game, you know, they go from 14 points to 34 points in one quarter because our defense is just so unbelievably gassed they can't stop anything. But you don't get points for, for rushing yards. And so we need guys to step up. We need to keep them out of the end zone. If, if you can exchange touchdowns for field goals, that's a win. In this game, that's a win. It's hard to get to 30 points with field goals. Keep them to field goals and you got a win. Offense, I, again, I, I don't know how many times I can say it. it's It's very, very simple. Don't sputter. None of this nonsense about guys suddenly forget how to block. They don't really have any good defensive linemen, but they're somehow getting pressure. We've seen that before. Every single play they're getting pressure and there's no pass rushers on this entire team. That's unacceptable. Cannot have that. Cannot have random drops. Guys don't know how to run routes. Bad play calling like we saw against Carolina. Just don't do that and we got it. We're good. This is a practice game. This is a playoff game. Here's your first practice at a playoff game. You gotta just show up. It's it's three hours. It's it's sixty minutes of actual play time, which means thirty minutes for an individual player roughly. I need you for thirty minutes to be really good at your job. Thirty minutes the whole week. That's it. I feel like you can do that. Anyways, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and we'll kind of do a more 
mano y mano matchup thing. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So let's start off in the trenches, because that's always kind of fun. Um, first of all, huge, massive, unbelievably big boost to have Corey Lindsley back. I mentioned how the guys on the edges don't have very much, but Isaiah Simmons is a bit of a freak. Um, now, granted, when we looked at recent history, that really hasn't been the case. His 12 pressures and one sack on 148 attempts is not all that uh, impressive. But he's still a big man, and, and one of the more impressive attributes is his ability to defend the run. So he's got three sacks, which automatically people are going to you know, say that he's not a very good football player as a result. His pressures honestly aren't all that much better, but the, it still is better than what the three sacks would lead people to believe. But again, he's, he's a big, massive, scary dude that I'm just glad we have Lindsley back. But again, with that said... Whether it's uh, Simmons or Jones or Roberson, well, Roberson's out, uh, Landry, whoever. None of these guys are good pass rushers. None of them are at 10%. If you look at all of the pass rushers, Jeffrey Simmons has got the fourth most pass rush attempts of any defensive lineman in the last four weeks, um, but 12 pressures on 148 attempts. From there, you got Daquan Jones, who's more of a run defender type of guy, six pressures, 86 attempts, no sacks. Matt Dickerson, one pressure on 53 attempts is horrible. And then uh, Tyer Tart has three pressures on 36 attempts. That's that's essentially their defensive line, aside from Murchison, 0 of 16. Talked about Harold Landry. His, his pressure percentage isn't terrible. It's just barely below 10%. Um, but he's only got one sack over the last four weeks. And again, he is just putrid in coverage. He's terrible as a tackler. He's no good as a run defender. His one attribute is being this sort of speed guy off the edge, and he's just kind of barely average at it. He's actually dropped into coverage 33 times. Of that, nine times he was targeted, so about once every three times when he drops, they're looking right at him. Of that, five were caught for 39 yards. The guy has five tackles and four missed tackles. It's just, it's kind of brutal. Uh, Roberson, who is not playing, would be their next uh, biggest pass rusher in terms of opportunities. Jack Crawford will be the next in line. Six pressures on 92 attempts, zero sacks. 
They do not drop him in pressure. He just keeps coming, but uh, even he is not very good at this whole thing. Nine tackles, two missed tackles, not very good against the run. And they got Taser Skipper, who's got one pressure on 20 attempts, so that's not good. So, I mean, you get the point, right? Wyatt Ray, one attempt, zero pressures. He, he just doesn't play anymore. So there's nothing here. So the, so the opportunity then is is wide open. Just that simple fact alone is massive for the Green Bay Packers because we know that although Aaron Rodgers is by far the number one, the biggest concern I have is that obviously that falls off massively when there's pressure. He's been masterful with no pressure, but um, with pressure it's not as good. So the, so the concern is when there's pressure, the entire offense falls off. But when there's not, he's the most lethal quarterback anywhere, anytime, ever. And again, I'm just looking at this team right now, number one quarterback, number one center, number one tackle, number one wide receiver. That's what this offense has. And you've got a defense that's going to try to stop that with no pass rush. Okay. Um, after that, it really just comes down to the wide receivers. It's it's very, very winnable. The one question I have is Adoree Jackson. Um, he's played one game this season, and he looked really, really good in that game. Uh, might be a little bit of a fluke, I'm not sure, but if Adoree Jackson is solid and Malcolm Butler is pretty solid, that's going to be tough to overcome. However, if Malcolm Butler's the top guy, we're talking about the number 24 overall corner up against Devontae as a massive mismatch. And then you got, for example, Ty Smith down here, 34th overall. So then it comes down to guys like Lazard, MVS. These guys have to be able to step up and win. And I don't think we've seen a lot of that recently. We haven't seen a massive game from MVS or, or Lazard. And I know Lazard is, is recently back from injury. I'm just saying it's 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 time for somebody to step up. You know, it's it's great when Devontae can just dominate the guy in front of him and that's how it how it happens. But this this offense is really at its best when there's multiple weapons that are just better than everybody across from him. And you know, right now we have an elite quarterback behind a dominant offensive line that shouldn't be given a lot of problems, and wide receivers that should be able to win across the board. Furthermore, looking at the linebackers specifically in coverage, their top linebacker in terms of his coverage grade over the last four weeks is Rashawn Evans who ranks 45th basically dead average he's in coverage a ton that's more than anything else 120 snaps out of his 240 in that time he's been targeted 14 times 10 of those were caught for 71 yards and a touchdown he does have three pass breakups but 106.5 passer rating when targeted that's the guy that Tanyan has to beat more than likely after that is another guy by the name of David Long Similar situation, 137 of his 225 attempts, way more uh, time in coverage than anything else. 53 overall grade, 21 times he's been targeted, 16 of those have been caught for 159 yards, no touchdowns, but two pass breakups. These guys aren't top-end cover guys. Uh, as far as their ability to stop the run, they're they're right next to each other, 31st and 32nd. Um, not elite, that's for sure. Competent, maybe. Then looking at the safeties, you got Kenny Vaccaro, who's a decent coverage guy. You got Kevin Byard, who's a pretty good run defender. But, you know, again, across the board, I, I don't know that there's anybody that's really top end or elite. There's guys like Simmons who show flashes and could absolutely take over a game. You've got uh, some guys to, to keep an eye on that could cause some problems. But the bottom line is, if this genuinely is a number one offense, I know Titans and Chiefs are technically ahead of them in terms of points and whatnot. But, I mean, if this, if this is a team that's in that same realm, and those three teams have been shuffling back and forth. This is not a defense that you're going to struggle with. It's not. Your guys should be able to get open. Your coach should be able to scheme guys open in this against this team. 
Your quarterback has plenty of time to throw. Your offensive line should not struggle that much in terms of pass blocking or run blocking, for that matter. I'm not saying you don't lose a battle here and again. They're professional football players, too. But again, if we're talking best offense in football, you should be able to handle your business. It's kind of that simple for me. Now, obviously, on the flip side is where things get a little bit hairy. They're not... um you know, the worst unit in the world either. Number six quarterback, number three wide receiver, and number 12 wide receiver, number one running back, number five center, number 12 tight end. I mean, you get the point, right? They don't have quite as many number ones, but it doesn't really matter. And I think they're a little bit more kind of solid. You know, they've got a better wide receiver duo. The The biggest advantage I think the Packers have would be the offensive line. Again, I mentioned Questenberry is a massive liability for this team right now. Over the last four weeks, he's graded as one of the worst tackles in all of football. The biggest problem, though, as you heard, if you listen to me go over my NFC North playoff team rundown, the Packers defensive line over the last four weeks is one of the worst in football. Now, the sack numbers are high. The pressure numbers are not, and the grades are abysmal. Uh, Rashawn Gary is grading out as one of the worst pass rushers in football recently. Again, stats aren't the worst, but it's just on a play-to-play basis, it's really not coming together. And I think across the board, Preston, Zadarius, Rashawn, Kenny, Kingsley, uh, Lowry, all these guys need to be more consistent. It's it's not enough, you know, on a, you know, let's say over 10 plays, you're terrible nine times, and then once you're really, really good. I just don't want that. I would rather have decent nine times, because decent across four or five guys is pretty impressive. It's consistent. It's constant pressure. It's constant disruption. And it really is going to slow down the run game. Because all it takes is a couple guys to not do their job and a you know three-yard run becomes a 30-yard run. So that's going to be, I think, in my opinion, the biggest thing in this entire game. If I had to pick one thing, can't necessarily narrow it down to one player, but one thing, it's the Packers defensive line. You could go other directions if you want. The fact that they have two really solid wide receivers, which is massively underrated. I mean, obviously Derrick Henry is a concern, but you have the number three wide receiver in... Um, in Corey Davis, which I know nobody realizes that or thinks about that. We all think Corey Davis is a bust. He actually kind of had a great year in year three last year. Right now, he's one of the top wide receivers in football. We've got him and A.J. Brown to be concerned with, and we have Jair Alexander and a bunch of guys that are just not really getting it done. Chandon isn't terrible, but Kevin King has been sliding as of the back half of this year. He's currently, via PFF, rated as the 103rd best corner out of 125. That wasn't always the case. So that is definitely a concern, but but again, I, I just want the defensive line to step up. If they can do that, I think we win the game. If this can look like the 2018 version of this this defensive line, I think we win the game. And no, I don't mean the San Francisco 49er version. That's exactly the problem. The 17% pressure rate for Zadarius Smith, 12.5 for Rashawn, right? double-digit sack season for Preston Smith. Talking about Kenny Clark playing up to his contract, as in top five defensive tackle, not, you know, top 50. Because if they can pull that off and keep consistent pressure on on Ryan Tannehill, as well as slow down Derrick Henry a bit to to really just force a couple punts, I think that's going to put us in great position. I think that is the most important thing. And so again, Questenberry is the guy that needs to get picked on because he's really, really, really struggling. In fact, in general, the the offensive line is not the greatest bunch of pass blockers. Um, If you look at, for example, Nate Davis playing right guard, He's given up 21 pressures this season. Again, keep in mind, Corey Lindsley's given up about two. I think Bakhtiari's about seven. So 21 is quite bad. Dennis Kelly, the uh, right tackle, has given up 19 pressures on the season. No sacks for either of them, but I'm fine with pressures. 
pressures are more than adequate. Uh, ben Jones, the only one that even has a positive pass blocking grade for the entire unit. And they're all great run blockers, which, which is a concern. But again, this is where we can make our money. And you can run all you want. At some point, you got to throw. And if we can disrupt that, that's, that's fantastic. But Ben Jones, the only one with a positive grade, about nine pressures on the season, three penalties. Roger Saffold, the left guard, three sacks, five hits, eight hurries. 16 pressures is low compared to the other guys, but three sacks is completely unacceptable. And what I believe is the current left tackle, uh, Taylor Lewan is not there. Ty Sombreo, I think, is out, leaving David Questenberry, who has the lowest pass blocking grade of anybody. Very few attempts. I mean, 147 times he's been on the field. Most of these guys have played, you know, Saffold 428 pass blocking reps. So even with hardly even being on the field, he's given up three sacks, three hits, seven hurries. That's 13 pressure. And again, he's played like three games worth. So none of these guys are doing a good job. They're giving up massive amounts of pressure. So so again, it's just sitting there. It's sitting there for the taking. It's a matter of who's going to step up and take it. And again, the sacks are there, and that's good, and I guess I'll take it if that's all I can get out of them. If, if I get one sack a game and then just nothing, I'll take it. But I'd love to see a, just a solid defensive line performance where Tannehill is just under pressure all day, and I don't care if you get him on his back or not necessarily. I just want to see you beat the guy in front of you. I want to see you win. That's what the trenches are about. It's not about flashily tricking the guy in front of you or whatever and just coming free and sacking a guy. That's cool. You know, you got one, you know, Rashawn just, he's, he's a physical freak. So, uh, you know, with guys like that, you're going to win occasionally. You're not going to stop guys like that all the time. And that's the cool thing about him. But it, but again, for all of them, just more down-to-down dominance. I actually think Preston has taken the biggest leap of any of them, just in his ability to be in somebody's face all the time. Basically, since he got called out, he's kind of just been always there. But again, and the only reason I'm being so loud about it is it's just, it's super important. You know, just about every single one of these guys has a really solid run blocking grade, um, including Questenberry. Not elite by any stretch, but all of them are right around 70, which is just good, which for an offensive line, that's impressive. I mean, this is this is the, the anti-NFL offensive line. Nobody has offensive lines. Pretty much every offensive line is, you know, at least competent ones. They're, they're all good pass blockers, maybe two or three good run blocking offensive linemen. Every single one of these guys can run block. None of them can pass block, with the exception maybe of center Ben Jones. So again, the opportunities are there. And look, they're they're going to get yards. They're going to run for probably a lot of yards. These two very good co- uh, wide receivers with the really good quarterback and a pretty solid tight end, they're going to get yards through the air. They're going to complete first downs. They're going to be, I mean, it's, it's a battle, man. And they're going to score points, probably a lot of points. I don't think we keep them under 20. That's, that's, silly to even expect that if it happens better be just lining up the amount of uh reporters that want to talk trash to apologize and whatnot television personalities all of them of course they won't but again i i, I don't think you should expect that but it's it's the little things and, and honestly the packers do a good job of it it's you know we're getting beat we're getting beat we're getting beat this looks ugly oh that was a nice play whoa what was that hey they're punting or wow we held them to a field goal how did that happen they just marched 50 yards down the field like no there wasn't even a defense sitting there and a couple plays later it's they're kicking a field goal that's what they're good at and I think that's that's what this is going to kind of come down to on the offensive side of the ball again it really just I, I don't want to isolate any one thing it, it just comes down to guys being available guys stepping up when when the Packers offense is humming is when everything is just kind of clicking you know the run game is there you're getting the ball out to Devontae you're getting it to Lazard. You're getting it to MVS. Things are just working. And that's really all. It's, just, it's, a, it's a well-oiled machine. 
You know, it's kind of like looking at an engine and saying, well, which part do you want to work? No, no, man, it, it either all works or it doesn't work. That's it. And that's sort of the Packers offense. When it's working, it's just working and it works really well. When, when, any, one piece go, when, when any one piece goes out, the whole thing shuts down. Similar to my computer. <laughs> Something isn't working, and the whole thing literally shuts down. So, I think it's going to be good for uh, for the podcast. It just can't handle the high-powered stuff. I'm going to try the laptop. I think the laptop might. It doesn't have a lot of space on it, but if I can get the programs on it, and I've got my external drive, I think it might work. We'll see. Anyways, just talking to myself. You don't need to be here for this. I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. Um, I'll be around a little bit, but again, during games, I've recently tried to keep my phone down, especially when things aren't going well. If, if, the th- if things are going well, I'll probably be around. When things start to turn, I'm going to put my phone down. In part because I don't want to say stupid things, but largely because it's just I don't want to hear the whining because it just makes the experience that much worse. Watching your team get beat up and having to hear people say how terrible this team is and then starting to throw takes in my face, where's Rashawn Gary, where's your boy A.J. Dillon? Whatever it may be, just just these little digs. I just I'm not interested. I'm just I'm gonna watch the game in peace. So that's generally how that goes. But have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow for hopefully Victory Monday. Bye bye. <laughs>